Hi everyone and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast where we're talking everything from red red wine to pina coladas. My name is Allie and welcome to episode 47. Today is Wednesday, April 14th, making this a Wine Wednesday show. We are also three more episodes from episode 50, which is terribly exciting since once we pass 50 we are halfway to episode 100. And if you are loving the show and the content that we're creating, please, if you could do me a favor and head over and hit like, subscribe, leave a review, download, and share, or share the show with a friend, that would be awesome. Remember, the more people that hear the show, the more great content we can bring to you. On today's show, we will talk, take a look at a red grape that has a rich history, can go by a ton of different names, and can be a standout wine all on its own, or it can be a, or it can round out all kinds of red blends. We are, what are we talking about, you ask? Why Malbec, of course. Since World Malbec Day is on Saturday, we'd best take a look at this very cool grape ahead of its World Day. So, without any further ado, let's jump on in. Like most of the 18 quote-unquote noble grapes, Malbec traces its history back extremely far, all the way back to the Middle Ages, in fact. During that time, it was so widely planted in France that it covered most of the country and even had over a thousand synonyms. So it went by over a thousand different names. Basically, each area that grew it had its own name for Malbec. Some that you might have heard include Auxerrois. Um, that one's pretty common, um, especially in French-based um, wine regions. So that's spelled A-U-X-E-R-R-O-I-S. Cote, C-O-A-T. Um, it's actually still pretty common to call it Cote in France. Pressac, Dunoir, and Cahors, C-A-H-O-R-S. Um, Cahors, you'll hear a little later on, is a growing region. And from time to time, it's just called that region instead of being given its own name. In its heyday, Malbec was known as, quote, the black wine of France for its dark, inky colors and was favored by Russian czars and French aristocrats. But like many of the original wines that we don't know a lot about anymore, or we don't see a lot anymore, uh, it did have a bit of a downfall, and a couple of factors led to that downfall. The first is the infestation of a pesky little bug known as phylloxera. Um, phylloxera is a pest, a vineyard pest. It gets into the roots, and it chews up the root systems. Native to North America, so North American vines are resistant to it, um, but cuttings were taken from North America to Europe, they were planted in the ground, and phylloxera said, cool, I can eat these things. And it rears its head starting in 1863, and by the 1890s, it's wiped out millions of hectares across Europe. With a couple of exceptions, there's a couple of places um, that never saw a phylloxera invasion. So the Mosul res region in Germany, for example, is mostly just slate um, with vines growing in it 
and the bug can't survive there. So um, since then, it vines have been replanted um, by breeding for resistance, but also by grafting vines onto rootstocks of North American vines. So phylloxera is a really terrible thing. We'll probably do a whole show just on phylloxera one day. Um, Malbec itself isn't great at resisting phylloxera, so even when it's planted on a rootstock, it's not that great at being able to fight off this bug. So lots of places that grew it simply decided to plant something else in its place after all their Malbec died. The second factor is a little bit more modern, and in 1956, there's a terrible frost, and 75% of the Malbec crop was destroyed. So by that time, um, so after phylloxera, basically just Bordeaux was growing um, Malbec. Um, it was kind of the only place left. And after 56, the Bordelands went, you know what, this just isn't worth it. And they replanted a bunch of other stuff. Um, which means that currently there's only about 1% of the total vineyards in Bordeaux left that are still planted if, under Malbec. So it's not a lot. It's a very tiny region. And the majority of that is in an area called Cahors. C-A-H-O-R-S, same as they call the vine sometimes. Um, they are the only area that makes a Malbec-forward wine, um, and it is in the kind of southwestern side of the region. But luckily for us, prior to the phylloxera invasion, so in 1853, French amphilox ampelographer, so somebody who studies grapevines, by the name of Puget, took cuttings to both Chile and Argentina, uh, and though it grows in large colonies in Chile, Malbec really is Argentina's kind of sweetheart grape. It grows really well there, um, and it is the grape that they are known for. All right, so now, like I said, Malbec really hits its stride in Argentina after it gets planted in the 1800s. It's warm and sunny, so it can ripen fully. Um, Malbec has a very thick skin, so it needs a little bit more heat to ripen all the way. It doesn't have to worry about frost, so it doesn't have to worry about being cold. It's also not as damp, so Malbec doesn't have to worry about rot. It really likes um, all of these factors. Malbec also finds the higher elevations in Argentina highly appealing for some reason that only the grapes themselves know. Um, there's been studies done on it. They're not really sure why the elevation part um, really is something that Malbec digs, but it does, so there's that. Um, and Argentina has vineyards as high as 1,520 meters or 5,000 feet of elevation or above sea level. So they're really quite high um, up these mountains. Um, and for some reason, Malbec just thrives there. By 1962, Malbec has been planted in 58,600 hectares 
in Argentina. But of course, things have to go sideways, as they always do. And there's a war. And during the 1970s, um, there's a massive revolution in Argentina and tons, I mean, literal thousands of acres of Malbec are pulled out um, in flavor of planting other crops, in favor of planting other more well-known varieties that are um, going to make them more money. All kinds of things happen. Some wi- winemakers, though, and grape growers stay the course, and they only grow Malbec, and their families only grow Malbec. And by the early 2000s, Malbec is back to having huge plantings. So um, Argentina has, in fact, saved Malbec the grape twice. So after the phylloxera invasion, when they needed new plantings of Malbec, they went to Argentina to get them to revive the vineyards the first time. And then in the early, in the late 90s and early 2000s, as other wine regions decided they wanted to try growing Malbec, again, it was Argentinian plantings that they were able to get a hold of for the breeding programs. And Argentina's growing is so huge, in fact, now, the days, that they grow 85% of the world's Malbec. Guys, that is absolutely nuts. 85% of a single grape in one country. That's just bonkers. doesn't happen anywhere else. I think the next highest is, okay, maybe like Tempranillo in Italy, but other than that, like Pinot Noir in a single country probably doesn't crack more than like 35% of total acreage. So, of course, with that much Malbec being grown in so many different places, there are different flavor profiles in Argentina um, as far as its Malbec tastes. So everything from the rich, complex wines of the Maipo Valley, the oldest vines in uh, Argentina live here, to the cool florals of the rocky Uco Valley, and to the dark, spicy, and spiky wines of the high-altitude Salta area. Um, they are all listed, obviously with Argentina being a New World region, they are listed on the label as to what valley they come from, so you can easily pick them out. Now, of course, if we want to look outside of Argentina or France for a bottle of Malbec for World Malbec Day, then we mostly have to look to the New World. Um, there is basically nobody else in the Old World except for, for Cahors that grow Malbec. So it grows, like I said, in Chile quite well. In fact, Chile is the second largest producer or grower of Malbec worldwide. So you can definitely find it there. You can also find Malbec in Canada. It grows much like French Malbec, with the exception of Malbec from the Okanagan, which is much warmer. um, And that tends to be a little bit more of a rounder kind of Argentinian style. You'll find it in New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, and the U.S., um, in all of the major wine-growing regions in the U.S. So a couple of notes before we get to the tasting notes and pairing ideas for Malbec. Um, Malbec is really high in anthocyanins, which is what gives red wines their colors. Um, Remember I said they have really thick skin? So Malbec will always have a bright magenta purple rim, 
when it's poured into a glass for tasting. So if you hold the glass kind of tilted sideways over a white piece of paper or a white countertop, a white plate, anything white, you'll see this bright magenta circle around the outside of your glass. It's a dead giveaway for Malbec. And Malbec gets a surprisingly short amount of time in barrel. It's super smooth already, so it doesn't need barrel time to smooth it out. Affordable or so-called low-end wines, whereas I prefer extreme bargains. See, only four to six months of oak aging with some of the higher-end, like, pricey Malbecs only getting 18 to 20 months in barrel, which in comparison to some cabs that we see on the market that see a minimum of 24 months of aging, that's a very short period of time, which makes them very, very affordable. Um, so barrel aging and how long a wine sits in a winery um, does have a direct correlation to the cost of that bottle at the end. All right, they've had to hold on to it. They haven't made any money off of it. They've stored it. They've all that stuff does factor into it. Now, what does Malbec taste like? So we can make some generalizations with the notes of things like black cherries, plums, raspberries, blackberries, cocoa, or even chocolate milk, leather, black pepper, vanilla, coconut, and mint. But if we look specifically at the two classic regions of Argentina, Again, we'll go broad strokes and cohorts. We have different kind of flavor profiles. So Argentinian Malbecs tend towards black pepper or blackberry, plums, black cherries, chocolate milk, violets, um, like the flower, leather, and sweet tobacco. Whereas cohorts lean more towards tart currants, black plums, or like a damask plum, and a savory bitterness similar to Cabernet Franc. Um, that would be because they're not ripening super completely. Um, that's why they're getting that savoriness to them. They also have more of a black pepper and spice note to them. Now, what if you want to enjoy your Malbec on Saturday night with some dinner? Fear not. You have a few choices. Your number one choice is going to be some sort of lean red meat. Oh, so dark meat poultry, like duck or even like a dark, the dark meat of chicken. Um, lean meats like lamb or pork. Uh, a braised beef biscuit would even be nice with it. If you really want to be wild, things like buffalo, elk, or ostrich are great pairings. And I bet even alligator would go really well with some Malbec. For veggies or those of us who eat vegetarian, um, mushrooms are your number one choice. Malbec is great with mushrooms. Um, roasted root vegetables, always classic. Peppers, kale, chard, endive, especially if you grill your endive, beets, lentils, black beans, tempeh, and forbidden rice also go super well with Malbec. And for cheese, uh, funky, soft, or semi-firm goat's cheese, or cow's milk cheese work best. Um, I don't know if everybody has access to a cheesemonger, but a cheesemonger is a great person to start to get to know um, because they have access to really cool cheeses a lot of the time. So a cheesemonger is somebody who just sells cheese. Um, preferably not at your grocery store counter because they don't always have access to really different stuff. But you can also 
usually, if you're buying from a cheesemonger, you can get itty bitty slices of stuff so you can try a whole bunch of different things with some wine. It makes it a lot of fun and you can find some really cool and funky pairings with them. So with that, guys, we'll wrap up another episode. Don't forget to visit your local wine shop to pick up a bottle of Malbec before Saturday. Um, whether you pick New World or Old World, okay, Bordelain, um, you will not be disappointed and maybe pick up some buffalo to go with it too. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me, you can do it a few ways. You can head over to the website, drinkswithally.com, and you can leave a note on podcast 47's page, or you can click on the contact me form, fill it in and hit send, and it will come directly to me. If you want to leave, send me an email directly, uh, you can do that to drinkswithally at gmail.com. So whether you have a question, comment, or a show topic idea, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to meet up on social media, it's at drinkswithally on all of the platforms. So that is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, MeWe, Pinterest, and Spotify. So you can find me on all of those. I would love to see you guys come hang out there. So fill your glass with something tasty, guys. Cheers, everyone.